Welcome to another episode of Acts of the Blood God, an independent RPG podcast. I'm your host, Kat Bailey. Joining me as always, my lovely co-host, Nadia Oxford. Hello, Kat. Um, I am back after a very busy month, and I feel like I'm beaten, as I said earlier, with a sack of dead babies. Also joining me, as always, my co-host, Eric Van Allen. Cat, I'm awash in a sea of new video game hardware. I'm just trying to stay afloat in this world of changing technology. And who is our special guest? I am uh, Len Hafer. I'm a freelance writer um, for a bunch of different video game websites. And uh, I was I was just on a Patreon episode <laughs> earlier this week, but it's cool <laughs> to be on, on the main feed as well. Yes, Len is on the second episode in a row. She was just on our Shadowrun Dragonfall Pantheon of the Blood God episode, which is now live. And you can go listen to it if you are our patron at the $10 level. Thanks to, so much to Len and also to Jason for joining us. It was actually a very fun discussion in which we talked about uh, the history of Kickstarter, RPGs, and why Shadowrun is like really significant within the world of RPGs and whatnot. And you'll just have to listen to see if we actually put Dragonfall into the the Pantheon. But Len, you did say that it had one of the best PC RPG stories of the decade. I did. Yeah, you can hear me elaborate on that. If you're curious why I think so. And Len, this is your first time on the show. So you should tell our dear listeners about Three Moves Ahead, especially because I think a lot of them would really enjoy that show. Yeah, uh, so I'm the I am also the producer on Three Moves Ahead, which is a strategy game podcast. Uh, we talk about some of the same games that Acts of the Blood God talks about because there's that little Venn diagram overlap of like, oh yeah, is this a tactics game? Mm-hmm. Is this a mm-hmm. tactics RPG? Mm-hmm. Where exactly <laughs> we're familiar with that? Is everything an RPG now? Is a kind yes. of an open question. Um, <laughs> oh no, uh, <laughs> reset the clock. We're having the conversation. Yeah. Uh, it was uh, it was started by uh, Troy Goodfellow, uh, and along with some other people. Rob Zachney from Waypoint also has uh, been one of the longtime standbys. They like to talk about like old man war games, uh, where oh, you yeah. like, print out a map and stuff. I'm more on the sort of uh, narrative. Uh, you know, I like my fire emblems, and mm-hmm. uh, I like my paradox grand strategy. And uh, mm-hmm. so, yeah, mm-hmm. I think. I think uh, you might enjoy what we talk about over there for sure. Troy and I are good friends, actually. Um, we've uh, Troy's great. Gone together, had coffee. He was lived in Toronto for a while there. Yeah, he's a really awesome guy, and uh, he knows he knows the strategy RPG. If you if you dig real real deep, you can find an old uh, podcast episode where I talked to him about Pokemon Conquest, and uh, God damn, that was yeah. a great game. More of that, please. It's a quality video game. Quality video game. Black Rayquaza, come on! Mm-hmm, hot mm-hmm. Nobunaga. <laughs> <laughs> I'm I'm all for hot Nobunaga. That's mm-hmm. he yeah. can't go wrong. Go on. <laughs> <laughs> well, we have Len on the show this week because we have a special request from our patron Drew R W X, who, as the fifty dollar level, gets to pick a topic, and Drew's topic is isometric RPGs, including Tunic. Drew wants us to talk about Tunic. I don't know if Tunic's actually an isometric RPG, but it's isometric, so we're going to talk about it. Mm-hmm. Very Zelda-ish. Your wish is our command, Drew, RWX. Thank you so much for supporting us. And we got Len on board because Len has played many an isometric RPG. Heck, we just talked about it. 
with Shadowrun Dragon Ball. Yeah. yeah. Exactly. In the meantime, if you enjoy the show, thank you very much. Please leave us a review on the podcatcher of your choice. You can follow me on Twitter at the underscore catbot. Nadia is at Nadia Oxford. Eric is at C Moosey, S-E-A-M-O-O-S-I. And Len, where can we find you? Uh, yeah, my Twitter is Till Falkvong, and it's T-I-L-F-O-L-K-V-A-N-G. Uh, Falkvong is in Freya's Hall in mm-hmm. the Norse Cosmos, mm-hmm. if you need help spelling it. If you enjoy the show and want to support us more, consider going over to Patreon, patreon.com slash bloodgodpod, where if you join our Stars of Destiny tier, you get to watch us as we record live, which we are doing right now. And I just want to say welcome to our guests, LJF Teeps, 13 Sardinels. I enjoy that. Amy <laughs> Zixa, Beware the Slimes, Deer and Deer, Dr. Hollow, Dr. Horror, sorry, Cal L, Ruka Spirus, the Lusty Oregonian. That's a good one. And yeah, Zoo like Batman. Yeah. <laughs> yep. And also, as a special event to thank all of our patrons for their support and helping us get to the $6,000 level two months in a row, we are doing a D&D 5E adventure with special guest Shivam Bhatt. If you're watching right now and you're listening, we are going to be doing that tomorrow as of the recording of this podcast, which is a Saturday, and it will start at 9 a.m. And we will be embarking on our quest for the Axe of the Blood God and live streaming it on twitch.tv slash blood god pod if you miss it good news we're going to archive the stream and we're going to turn it into a big old recording so if you're listening to this episode on monday you can expect that recording very very soon though there is a little bit of a traffic jam in terms of actual releases uh this week because we are also doing our big top 25 rpg remake episode that we've been talking about for months and that's going to be available to five dollar patrons Whew. Okay, Whew. I think content, that's content, all of- content. Mm-hmm. Content, mm-hmm. content, content. Never stop. So much content. We have a lot to look forward to throughout the rest of May here at X of the Blood God. But in the meantime, it's now time to talk about what we have been playing. And Len, you're our special guest. What have you been playing? I am actually uh, knee deep in uh, Warhammer Forty Thousand Chaos Gate Demon Hunters because every Warhammer game needs to have a title that's like, mm-hmm, you know, mm-hmm. five lines long. Um, working on the review for that, it's probably not going to go up till next week at this point, because it is Friday night and I haven't turned it in yet. That's kind of what <laughs> yeah. ticks me off. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, I'm enjoying it. It's It's got some kind of weird difficulty spikes, but it's, it's XCOM with Space Marines and if that's your thing, I think it's going to be everything you, you hope it will be, so... My my favorite, uh, sorry, my favorite uh, war. Sorry, my favorite Warhammer game is still Dawn of War Two, which uh, yeah. Dawn of War Two was amazing. Yeah, yeah, which secretly Not, was an RPG, yeah. kind of a yes, tactics, it was real time tactics mm-hmm. RPG is what I would call it because mm-hmm. you had a small party that you guided around and you completed mm-hmm. individual missions and they would level up and you equipped gear mm-hmm. on them and mm-hmm. everything and they kept expanding it. The first expansion was excellent. You could have a party member go crazy and join the the Blood Marines. It was wonderful. 
It, it had a light side, dark side system like KOTOR. Yeah, it was basically an RPG. Yeah. Can I, uh, <laughs> does that make Warcraft 3 an RPG? Can I nominate Warcraft 3 for the top 25 now? I think it's much more of an RPG than Warcraft 3 because Warcraft 3 was still a straight up RTS for the most part where you had base building and all of that. This was, mm. this did not have bases, at least in the story. You had your characters, they were walking around, right? And they were, you were leveling them up. So imagine if you just took some heroes. Oh, I've, I've, from I've played 3. Dawn of War 2. I've played Dawn of yeah. War 2 to be clear. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm just saying that it's not that different for Warcraft 3. I'm just saying. <laughs> I think it's pretty different. I mean, I'm not, I'm not calling Dawn of War 2 an actual RPG. I just said kind of a real-time tactics RPG. It's about the mm. closest you're mm-hmm. going to get. Anyway, stop trolling me, Ark. I don't like it. <laughs> <laughs> Never. Len, what else are you playing? Uh, yeah, so that's, that's been taking up most of my time. I'm also playing some embargo stuff that I can't talk about as usual, but uh, uh, I discovered a game recently called uh, Capital Seeds of the Rep- Revolution. That's capital with a K, as in the Karl mm. Marx capital, and uh, we're probably going to do a 3MA episode on that. I literally just fired it up today. So Excellent. Very exciting. Can't yeah. wait to hear to the actual episode. Yeah. As for me... I my my pick is quite embarrassing this week. Um, so hey, if you follow me worse. on worse worse than that, yeah. <laughs> oh dear. If, you'll, if you if you all follow me on IGN.com, you'll know that I've been very busy lately because I just published a story about Nintendo. Uh, you should go check that out. Honestly, I it's a very good story. story. Yeah. Thank you. Mm-hmm. I appreciate mm-hmm. it. I worked really hard on that story, but it meant that I didn't have a lot of time to play video games except for Persona Three, which I'll get to in a second. Baby, baby, baby. But also this game. Which I saw somebody playing on the train to work, and I was like, what is that? And it had anime cut-ins, all kinds of nonsense. And anybody who's listened to this podcast long enough, I've been doing this for almost 10 years at this point, will know that you only need two things to capture my heart. Maybe three. Sprite-based graphics, anime cut-ins, and uh, stat-based, turn-based party building. If you get those three things into one game, baby, you got a stew going. And that's why I'm playing free-to-play nonsense, Epic 7 by Smilegate. It's ridiculous. It's a very bad game. Okay, it's not a bad game. Actually, I kind of dig it. But it's a game that I can hit auto, and my characters will run around doing cool anime attacks. And I don't have to do anything. They'll just grind for me. It's a game that literally plays itself. Mm -hmm, But mm -hmm. I'm not going to spend a dime on this game. Definitely not going to spend a dime on this game. Promise. Uh, like is is free to play nonsense part of the official title? Like it's oh, part yeah. of the free to play nonsense <laughs> franchise. Yeah, Megami Tensei. Yeah, yeah. It's <laughs> Epic Seven free to play nonsense. Epic Seven, and then you just put it above the title. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. I'm not recommending this game. I just want to say. <laughs> I just want to convey where my headspace is at right now that I would end up getting drawn into a thing where I'm like, why am I playing this game? There have been multiple times where I've been sitting there playing Epic Seven and thinking to myself, why Why am I paying attention to this? But and yeah, my phone there's, is... Mm-hmm. There's a free-to-play, pixel-based, actually turn-based mana game now that uh-huh, I started. Uh-huh. And I haven't really played much of it, so I can't comment on it. But like, I, mean, I thought you were going to say that. When you the same way, yeah. Yeah. I just want to say that gotcha games are my ultimate weakness. Like, 
in my heart. I spend money on if, Pokemon Go, but not for I just to get like that's incubators. Not a gotcha game. No, I guess AR. not. AR you actually have to RPG. walk to get your Pokemon. <laughs> yeah, you can actually catch them as opposed to having to roll the Rolling dice over and them. over again, hoping that the uh, the the proverbial slot machine gives well, you your little JPEG that you can add to your team. There was Pokemon Masters, which was a Pokemon gotcha that game. Was a total and that gotcha was a gotcha game. That was actually pretty fun. I remember specifically playing that at the PAX West that we all met up at because I think Nadia, yeah. you were walking up to say hi to me and I was playing Pokemon Masters at the time. <laughs> but that tracks. I, I I understand the compulsion because there's something about games with an auto button that just scratch a good itch for me. It's like Loop Hero where there's something about the automation that feels really good to where you have constructed the perfect machine and then you just push it out and watch it do the RPG and you're like, good, I built a good battle bot and it's really messing things up out there. Uh, what, which is why I'm worried about starting Final Fantasy XII The Zodiac Age because I'm afraid about what that will do to me. <laughs> I, oh I actually God. was just talking on Twitter about how I think one of the fundamental differences between an ARPG like Diablo 3 and an ARPG like Path of Exile is that Path of Exile really is more about building a super overpowered death robot mm-hmm, and then just mm-hmm, mowing mm-hmm. the level down. <laughs> so it's it's not automated, but it's kind of similar in that I think the mastery and the fun part is really building the character mm-hmm. and then you just kill everything. Not like Vampire right Survivors, <laughs> like Risk of Rain. Yeah, exa- like, exactly. Vampire yeah. Survivors is a great example. I love Vampire Survivors. That game yeah. is perfect. That is a perfect video game. We made I had it. that game sitting on my computer, but I haven't played it yet. It's so good. Like you will lose games. days to it. <laughs> wow. It's it's Eric. like Slay the Spire. It is it is a Slay it's, the Spire uh, kind of thing. Uh, it's surprisingly addictive, yeah. Yeah. Eric, what are you playing? Uh, so I just wrapped up reviewing Sizz and Sleeper, which is a new game from Jump Over the Age, uh, who made In Other Waters. Uh, and I've talked about it on the pod before because I previewed it last year, but this is the full review build. It's out now on Switch, PC, Xbox. It's on Game Pass, so y'all got no excuse because, folks, this is this is a good video game. This is... Imagine if Yahtzee had storytelling and you're kind of getting in the ballpark <laughs> where... Uh, so for those who don't know, you play a sleeper, which is you are a runaway emulated consciousness inside an artificial body. And that artificial body is owned by a corporation. Like someone has sold their, their soul essentially to be put into a copy of it, to be put into a robot and used as labor, like a replicant. And so you're on the lamb and you end up on this space station called Erlen's eye, which is on the fringe of space. And it's basically just all the wayward souls and outcasts have ended up there. And you're trying to get by day to day survive while your body is basically deteriorating. Cause you don't have the chemicals from the, uh, from the corporation to keep you alive. So at first you're playing this kind of balancing game where you're working odd jobs and trying to meet people. There's a really cool mechanic where, to get to know an area and find the actual shops and stalls and stuff that you want to go to, you have to actually just spend time in that area, like helping people out or playing back alley card games and things like that. Uh, And then you will start to open up more nodes as people become more familiar with you. And that's a really cool thing. Uh, And I'll get back to that in a moment, but the, the main draw of this is that 
every day you have, every cycle you have, you have die. You roll, you know, a one through six on multiple die, and then you slot those die in where you want to to spend your time. And so, say in an average day, I'm like, okay, my my energy is about half, my conditions about four fifths. I've got four die to work with. I've got like a one, a two, a five, and a six. Well, a six that's a guaranteed positive outcome. So if I slot that into watching the door at a bar, I'm going to go there. It's going to go great. I, I'm going to get great tips while I'm there. But if I put mm-hmm. a one in there, now it's like a 50% chance neutral outcome. So you just kind of get a paycheck and that's it. Or a 50% chance of a negative outcome. So maybe somebody tries to start something with you, beats Someone you up a little bit. You. Yeah. And now <laughs> you've like lost condition and you get your pay docked because of it. Oh. So, uh, it's got a lot of that where you're kind of making cool choices. And to be clear, it's not always like you roll a one, you're screwed <laughs> um, mm-hmm. because ultimately to circle it back around citizen sleeper feels like a game about finding home. And so I, I wrote about this in my review on destructoid. If you want to read another excellent piece of writing, please click on my article first. And then go, <laughs> uh, uh, Ren over at waypoint had an excellent write up on this game as well. Uh, it's a game about finding a home. It's a game about finding what home means for you. And in some cases, home at first for me was this shipyard tender who initially took care of me, but then we came to odds with each other and I had to leave. And so then I was hanging out in a co-op where I could put in a one, which anywhere else, you know, the, the bar or the shipyards would get mad at me for not putting in the required amount of effort. But if I put in a one at the co-op, I still got the same rewards either way Mm -hmm. because they just respected that everybody worked together. And it was really cool to explore this world and seeing how these die. It's a very TTRPG mixed with narrative. I mean, if you like Disco Elysium, there's no reason to not try this game. You will love this game probably. Um, I I think the writing is incredibly sharp. It deals with a lot of really cool sci-fi themes, you know, themes of transhumanism, themes of, you know, dealing with consciousness and what sentience is and that sort of thing. And also just dealing with lots of capitalist bullshit. Yeah. <laughs> like thinking about and dealing with capitalist bullshit. This is there. Uh, <laughs> it's, it's a really, it's a really wonderful game. And I think it's honestly, it's like right there with Norco where it's going to be this game that I really hope people are still talking about at the end of the year, because so much cool stuff is happening in the narrative space right now. And I, I want to keep pushing for people to be aware of that. So citizen sleeper, like don't, don't sleep on citizen sleeper. It's a good one. <laughs> is it long? The back of the box quote right there. It's no, it's not long at all. I think my first playthrough was about six hours. Um, and I was definitely letting it idle <laughs> at some points. So I feel like you could probably get through this in a couple sittings if you wanted to. Uh, mm. And again, it's on game pass. It's on switch if you want it. Uh, so it's a Looks good neat. fit for that. And then uh, I also went deep down an Elden Ring hole. That was the, oh, the, the We've other We've all been half. down the deep, the Elden Ring <laughs> Welcome hole. Welcome to the Elden Ring hole. So yeah. last time we talked, I, I, I described myself, I was Wolverine Jesus, right? I was at an impasse because I I was having trouble, you know? I, I, I was having an identity crisis. I had Renala on one side. I had Radon on the other. I was trying to figure out where to go, what to do, and what I was going to do with my build. Um so I fought millennia last night to give you an idea of how much oh, progress dear. I've now made in this game. <laughs> did you summon um, uh, let me solo her? I did not get, I, I, so 
I have summoned one. I've summoned another player once in this game, and so far I'm pretty proud of the fact that I beat like I beat Neil Niall the the frost dude. Oh, I uh, hate in that guy so. I beat him much. on like my third try, and I had that dude's number. He had nothing on me. Like I I had Glory, him down. Brave knights. I hate yeah. He that was guy he was doing so like much. the drop kick and stuff. I was like, nah, dude. I I got you red. You got nothing on me. So. Uh, I got this spear that I love. Uh, you get it by picking it up off of a giant spear that's in the middle of the capital. And it's just been my go-to weapon. It's beautiful. Uh, I went for an all decks build and I am just chewing through this game now. Like I I've got mimic plus 10. I've got black knife Tish plus 10. I've got two plus 10 weapons. I I'm doing all the like Hallig tree stuff and all that. Elden ring's got nothing. I'm going to be, not Elden Lord. I'm going to be Eternal Consort, but I'm going to get there. <laughs> Are you going to be Fair Eternal Consort or Dear Eternal fair, Consort? Fair, fair Eternal Consort. I finished all of the Ronnie stuff because I thought I had finished the Ronnie quest. I had not finished the Ronnie quest. There no, was no, that goes two, on. There were two things left to do, both of them extremely depressing, and I did yeah. them today. So now I'm fully done well, with that. You get cool shit. Like, you, get, like, you do get cool stuff. but yeah, I, I got Blythe's clothes and his head. Like, oh, Y'all, cool. bold take. I don't know if we voiced it on the pod yet, but this game rips. This game is so yeah. good. <laughs> I, I have over 200 hours in it. So already. do I. Uh, yeah. It's insanely I love, good. I love that you said Wolverine Jesus, and I, yes. I immediately knew what your build is. Mm-hmm, like, I could, mm-hmm. I could make that. Yeah, yeah. Wolverine <laughs> Jesus got pretty far in the game, yeah. but uh, once I got to a point where I was like, I need to start determining what my build is. That was when the bolt of grand snacks uh, made its appearance, or as I like to call it, the bolt of bug snacks. Uh, <laughs> and it's got the ability to like chuck it like a lightning spear, and it does deck space cool. damage. And oh, I was, wow. <laughs> my friend was watching me play, and I was just hitting enemies with it and knocking them off of platforms and the tree, and just like sniping people from across the map. And he was like, "I hate that you always find this." He's like, I, (laughs) every time you play a game, you find something busted like this. And I don't know. And I was just like, it's just what I do. I find busted stuff. (laughs) If we ever make a t-shirt, I want to just have it read all hail Wolverine Jesus. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Wolverine Jesus has, has hung up his claws and picked up a, a spear and now a blood red katana to deal with millennia specifically. But, uh, yeah, it's. I like it's how a wonderful, uh, on Twitter they're like showing people who are like now you can summon to beat Millennia, and one is called uh, "Let Me Solo Me," and he appears and he does seppuku right away. And mm-hmm. <laughs> let me solo me. Mm-hmm. Let me date her is a good one. Yeah, let I also her like, solo me. There's do it yourself. Do it, do it yourself, yourself is great. Is very good. Good. <laughs> just stands there it doesn't help yeah the the let me solo her cinematic universe <laughs> <laughs> the multiverse of let me solo her oh. i'm playing also playing elden ring and i'm kind of mad at it right now so i'm just like taking a, a mm, brief break mm-hmm. while i sort myself out because mm-hmm, i mm-hmm. have not done the hallig tree yet but i am on oh, so uh, good crumbling i can't remember what it's called but that stupid place crumbling. in the sky uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Co- cookie yeah. crumb Azula. It sucks because Elden Ring I generally consider a fair game, and yeah, sometimes it's cheap, but you can be cheap right back at it. Usually, this place sucks because I am on a bunch of like platforms where like mm-hmm. beast men mm-hmm. jump out and go and knock me mm-hmm. off the platform mm-hmm. or stab me in the back or whatever, and it's not fair. And 
usually, like I said, Elden Ring is fair in in at least to some degree, and that is not. In fact, there was a a, a talk about whether Elden Ring's open world beats Breath of the Wilds, and I would say no, just because. Well, number one, Breath of the Wild has incredible physics, climbing, it has gliding, but Breath of the Wild also doesn't do these cheap ass deaths where like goblins like drop from the ceiling and and uh-huh, like uh-huh. gut you while you're you're trying to just kind of crawl across these pipes or whatever. Still love the game. It's just pissing me off. So I am uh, I'm actually stuck on what's his name the black the black blade, which frankly oh, yeah, yeah. he looks fucking amazing. He just uh-huh, I, uh-huh. my jaw dropped when that just like with that, that reveal. Uh, like, holy crap! So I actually mastered the um the god peel- the godskin peeler. Which mm, I, mm, I love mm. the I love that blade so so much. But yeah, you like the twin blades, yeah. I like the twin blades. But I'm also building up now, um I just decided to do the Moonlight Great Sword because who knows, maybe I can really oh, use a sword. Yeah. Yeah. And, I mean I got it from Rani Chan, so she's my waifu, so that's why I have to no. like, <laughs> Yes, yes, Rani Chan no. is my waifu. Eat it. <laughs> What is Elden Ring? Oh, no. Someone, so someone just left the Discord. <laughs> they were just like, no. <laughs> Bye. Why is Boom. this how like, I'm the one who, who in, in Persona 4, I picked up Marie and everyone laughed at me. And I said, no, I love Marie so much. And she had a great story. And everyone missed out because I was the only one who loved her. So it's, but then again, everyone loves Rani Chan. What am I saying? But uh, I'll finish it because I have to marry her. Mm-hmm. Should I do Hallig Tree, though, or should I tell her to F off? You should do the Hallig Tree and you should also do. Have you found Millicent yet and Gowrie over, over, over in Kaelid? Explore Kaelid a bit because there is a like My side quest area. That, that I hate leads that area in. so much. Yeah, yeah. The best, the third impact zone, Kaelid. I call it the blasted land from the talisman. It's uh, totally the blasted land. It's great. That's, that's just if the third Evangelion movie when Shinji and Kaworu look out over the distant horizon. That's just Kaelid out there. <laughs> They're just in the lands between. My theory was just that every time you complain about poison, Miyazaki just makes it worse. <laughs> yeah. In the next game, like, another swamp. Oh, oh, you didn't like Poison City? How about Poison Kingdom? Super Poison <laughs> Kingdom. It's worse than regular poison. Yeah, we've got Scarlet yeah. Rot now. What's Scarlet Rot? It's like poison, but worse. <laughs> yeah. How about half the half the world's infected by it? And if you go underground, you find mm-hmm. a lake full of rot. If, yeah. if you mm-hmm. if you do the Hallig tree stuff, you will learn why there's so much scarlet rot. Oh, everywhere. I have I have a feeling I know why. And Boy, that that's exactly what off. I want to know about. <laughs> it's I legitimately the Hallig tree is like my favorite section of the game by far. It is It's really I, good. It's I really, really okay, so I'll it's, go back to that and and It's it's know. incredible lore-wise and I think construction-wise it is a brilliantly designed area as well. I took it one is step so I good. Said, nope. And I, I took off. It's like <laughs> branches. Uh 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 uh. Bye. But I can't get any more pissed off than I am at crumbling cookie land. So mm-hmm. cookie crisp so, land. Yeah. Cookie crisp land. Mm-hmm. Where all the, the beasts, the cookie crisp beasts hang out. <laughs> you know, the problem with Hallig Tree, though, is those things that blow the bubbles. Uh, those assholes that like have that. Oh, those, the- those jerks. Yeah! I hate them. They're just playing the world's worst tinnitus pitch and then they yeah. like, turn around and blow bubbles at you. Yeah, somebody took that meme of like the, the high schoolers where one of them's like playing the trumpet and the other yes. one's covering their ears and just replaced <laughs> it with the, the trumpet guys from Elden Ring. Yeah. That'd be great. I gotta look that up after this. Oh, those are terrible. <laughs> well, in addition to our normal games, I've also been playing Persona 3 and yes, it's this time for This Week in GeckoCon. 
If you don't want to be spoiled on this particular segment, I recommend that you fast forward about five minutes. But here is what's happening to me in the land of GeckoCon High School. It's Golden Week. I learned that I can duplicate cards at the Inari Shrine. I'm helping the old couple at the bookstore. I'm working a lot of odd jobs to fund my game corner addiction. And Elizabeth wants to do chores, wants me to do chores for her. So uh, a little bit of a slower week this week, uh-huh. but uh, I've been working really hard on the old couple at the bookstore. They're so, they're so sweet. I really enjoy I work for getting them. to know them. My, my character works a lot, uh, way more than in Persona 5, actually. Um, I go. didn't work very much in Persona 5. Like I said, I took a job at the convenience store and just like, see you suckers. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Can you come in today? No. You can kiss my butt. I always joked about Persona 5, the real fantasy is it's just like, is the fact, it's not that you can like go into the metaverse or like punish evil adults. It's, oh yeah, you want a part-time job? Just come in whenever you want. Make That's your own hours. Yeah. <laughs> just yeah. show That's up. real fantasy of Persona 5. Yeah. I want a Persona game now where you have a schedule. That'd be great. The difference between Persona 3 and Persona 5 is uh, Persona 3, you walk into the cafe and it just says, you serve some people. You got a higher courage. You got a boost in a charm. And then Mm -hmm. you move on Mm -hmm. with your life. Whereas Persona 5 has to have like a whole skit and some like Mm -hmm. some things you choose. And I think that both have their merits, honestly, because Persona 5's approach makes the world feel more lived in. It's more ambitious. But as with everything, Persona 5 drags it out a lot, whereas Persona 3 kind of cuts the chase so you can get through those days really fast, which is pretty nice. But if you want to join in on this week in GeckoCon, well, we're playing it right now, and we're going by day by day, and you can go over to the Discord, and you can jump in and keep talking to us as we continue through Persona 3. We're getting close to a full moon. I wonder what's that, what that's going to be all about. I guess we're going to find out, huh? In the meantime, now it's time for a series of random encounters. Final Fantasy 16 is pretty much complete, Naoki Yoshida says. Kenshin Impact has raked in over $3 billion in revenue, with the Switch version still in the works. Summer Game Fest Live and Day of the Devs have been dated for June 9th. Persona 4 Golden is now officially Steam Deck verified if you sickos want to go and play it on that console now. RIP to the Vita. Um, New Breath of the Wild D2 details about Daruk has leaked from a voice actor. The FTC is reportedly set to investigate the Sony Bungie deal um, in a crackdown on mergers and acquisitions. And Blizzard has finally, after many years, officially announced its mobile Warcraft game that looks a lot like Clash of Clans, because it's been in development since roughly 2015, which is why it looks a lot like Clash of Clans. A lot of their mobile games look old. There's a reason for that. Uh Uh (laughs) But the top story... Which came out right when last week's podcast came out. This happens a lot these days. Yeah, it does. Is Square Enix has officially spun off its its Western group. Uh, it sold it to Embracer, a group that I'm still not extremely familiar with. Um, over at IGN, they did an explainer about who Embracer is. TLDR, they're buying everything. 
I'm going to say they own everything. So I'm surprised. You're yeah. right. Like, it's me too. I'm like, Embracer, it's kind of those names in the back of your mind. You don't think about mm-hmm. it too hard. But then it's like, oh, shit, they own everything. So it's like Godric the Grafted, kind of, where. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I guess they, they used to be Nordic Games, which is a name I was kind of familiar with. Yeah. I don't know when they As opposed to THQ Nordic. They yeah, were Nordic, so. and then they like got THQ and became THQ Nordic. And then it, it, it is literally a Katabari of companies that has just <laughs> and then kept they put rolling square downhill. Enix the dragon hand. Yeah, well, it's the Cronenbergian <laughs> version of a yeah. game publisher. The the big surprise here, I mean, outside of just that it's happening and that basically the entire Western arm of Square Enix just got sold off. Yeah, so it got sold off for a comparative song compared it's to nothing. what other. So three hundred mil is the price that they went for, whereas. By comparison, Embracer picked up Gearbox for $1.3 billion. Uh, and along with the deal, in comes the Tomb Raider IP, uh, the Deus Ex uh, IP, the Thief IP, the Legacy of Cain IP. Uh, I'm kind of surprised how much they got for just 300 mil. I didn't know Square was... I, I could Square, you could have talked to me. Come on, we could have had a conversation. <laughs> I got like 20 bucks back there. Oh, shit. We could have started. We could have made a new Patreon tier, new Patreon gold. Yeah, we buy the we'll Western buy Square Armor Enix Square Western. Enix. Yeah, absolutely. We'll love them. We'll give them love. That Square Enix never gave them. I would announce a new Thief game tomorrow. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. I can't say I'm too sad about the deal because it's just like Square Enix had all these properties that, given the price they sold them for, they just did not care a whole lot about. Unfortunately. Yeah, and they were like, oh, Tomb Raider needs to sell a zillion copies to be considered mm-hmm. a success, mm-hmm. so. It did, yeah. not enough zillions. <laughs> Every one of these games yeah. they put out, and they're like, boy, what a failure. <laughs> this game sucked. <laughs> like, And Guardians of the Galaxy was so good. It was so, so good. Oh, They I'm also still mad funded about Avengers, and Avengers was low-key kind of a disaster, honestly. I think that's why Guardians of the Galaxy maybe didn't get as much recognition as it deserved because it kind of came out on the heels mm-hmm. of Avengers, which, as you said, was Well, they looked kind of the same, too, and they're like, they yeah. didn't always as yeah. good. Yeah, yeah. And the E3 my... presentation didn't really warm anyone up to it, I think, the way that it took up like the whole E3 presentation, and we're like, mm-hmm. but where are we going mm-hmm. to get to the fireworks factory? Mm-hmm. My suspicion is that Avengers game was supposed to be more like Guardians of the Galaxy or like the Insomniac Spider-Man games, and then it, they forced it to be this, you know, sort of games as a service thing that yeah. didn't really work out. Mm-hmm. There's a determination made somewhere that it needed to be less Insomniac, like you said, and more like Destiny or, you know, Anthem, because right. Anthem really went over well. Oh, yeah. Oh, great. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I just played Anthem all day. It's, yeah. When the news hit, one of the first thing, one of the first rumors that started going around because it was misreported was that the Embracer group immediately announced a new Deus Ex game. And the excitement over that actually said, hey, Deus Ex isn't dead. There are still people who care about this game. And, you know, it's RPG relevant. So, I mean, do we want another Deus Ex? I mean, of course we want another Deus Ex. But it sounds like we're going to get another Deus Ex is what I'm actually saying. That's pretty cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. all these ip i would love to see and i'm actually in in an age where so many companies are trying to build these like cross media franchises you know like sony's trying to get into the we make video games and movies about those video games and everybody wants their cross media stuff i can't believe tomb raider went for this low because you would think the tomb raider would be 
prime prime material for that deus ex and thief maybe legacy of kane i think in in the right hands could be a seriously good video game movie adaptation but i mean that last tomb raider movie didn't do too bad and it wasn't a bad movie either at least by video game movie standards so i didn't see it it's totally serviceable i've seen the first one the very first one i saw i saw it in theaters actually right after i got married uh, my husband and I, we were in North Carolina, and uh, we went to go see the Tomb Raider movie. Uh, not the day of getting married, but, we, you know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I remember after. when that movie came out. I was in high school. Angelina Jolie was in it. That's all I remember about it. But That's all you have it to remember. a perfectly serviceable mm-hmm. video game mm-hmm. movie for its time. But yeah, uh, by all accounts, Square sold off all of these games. They were just, they were really hot keen to get rid of these games and companies and everything mm. anyway. But apparently they wanted to... Uh, enable the launch of new businesses moving forward with investments in blockchain, except LOL, the Wall Street Journal has been reporting that blockchain is in the process of like, it's way down because mm-hmm. inflation and investors backing off has just made it much less lucrative. So Square, as usual, shows up at exactly the wrong time going, hey, we can do this <laughs> this NFT thing. Shows up to the party after the cops already came. <laughs> Everybody just, you know, woke up in a daze and realized that they've been paying thousands of dollars for JPEGs. I was going to say, mm-hmm. oh shit, what am I going to do with this ape? But I can get slurp juice for my apes oh, no. and now my apes oh. are slurped. <laughs> What the hell is slurp juice? I've seen it, but I don't know. You don't want to know because I'll tell you that I know and I wish I didn't. I truly do. There are parts of my life I have hazy memories of, but I know what slurp juice is and I don't like that distinction. (laughs) Boy, the 2022 version of the tulip craze is very strange. Let me tell you. odd when humans do something like that they always At find least a way you to do can that own a tulip i can hold a tulip and smell it like come on you I, can yeah. smell a tulip you don't want to yeah. smell the the ape jpeg i don't want to smell the slurp i want to slurp juice no. i want to smell the slurp juice so what do y'all think this means for square enix long term not a whole bunch i don't think they're gonna do blockchain anything i don't think they can do nft anything i they're not a company that makes sense a lot of the time, but they're usually usually not completely stupid. So I can I think they can see okay, this is this is falling. We're not going to bother with this. I just think they didn't really know what to do with their Western franchises, so they're like, hey, yeah. um, take this. I think they sold it for nothing, which is like, why would you do that? But it's none of my business, I suppose. I don't know anything about business. I'm just uh, I think not it's a better journalist. In the long term. It's none of my business. <laughs> I'm not a journalist anymore. Are you kidding me? Former journalist. <laughs> I don't have to study something. I'm not going to study it. I put my books away. <laughs> but uh, I think long term, it'll be better for certainly for the franchises that Square Enix has famously ignored or just kind of screwed up. And they are clearly, clearly more interested in their Japanese stuff. So they're going to put a lot more effort into that, I suppose. Yeah, I, I- I mean, these these entities always existed apart for the longest time to the point that a lot of times their presentations would feel like here's Square Enix Japan and now here's Square Enix West and we're going to end with something from Square Enix Japan, right? And, and yeah. to be like, here's a presentation from Square Enix West. Everybody would go, oh, uh, come on. Yeah. And so I almost want to see what Crystal Dynamics can... Because I'm a Crystal Dynamics fan. Even, you know, Avengers, look, everybody, everybody makes mistakes. Uh, but it's... 
I, I love the the first Tomb Raider reboot and Rise of the Tomb Raider. I thought those were two extremely good games. I really like Guardians of the Galaxy. I even even though I didn't like Mankind Divided as much as Human Revolution, I think that Deus Ex is still totally a feasible franchise in this modern day. It, games like Deathloop have shown that. Oh, yeah. So like, oh, yeah. I I really want to see what this division can do without being under apparent that it constantly disappoints. And so <laughs> yes. like, cause it had to feel terrible. They come out with these games, they get great reviews and they sell well. They just don't hit expectations that are just too high for them that they could never meet. And yeah. so it never felt like they were ahead of the ball. And so in that way, I'm excited to see what they do with a little bit more of this freedom at the same time. The Embracer Group is an unknowable Katamari that's swallowing everything, and that just makes me feel existential dread. I don't know what's going on there, and I'm worried that I'm next. So <laughs> we're all uh, next. That's my takeaway. <laughs> Breaking Embracer Group has acquired Eric Van Allen. <laughs> they just acquired oh, me. They just sent me some cash. They were like, "We want you," and I was like, "Cool." You know what? Whatever. <laughs> hey, for for three hundred million dollars, I'll do whatever. For, you want. for three hundred yes. mil. <laughs> That list, that list of no's of downturns yeah. is not long. Oh, you long. don't get any of that money. They get, you You don't get the money. I don't know. It just goes to the unknowable void, but now mm-hmm. you belong to them. Yeah, pay uh, for my Final Fantasy XIV sub and I guess I'll be good. Is that yeah, unknowable? Yeah. Is that unknowable void what's funding Avatar 2? Because yes. I have so uh, many questions. <laughs> I haven't seen our trailer out. I haven't seen it. Yeah, it was. So I went to see Doctor Strange last night and, and no spoilers for that, but there was a trailer for avatar two in front of it. And I just want to know who's funding that, who, who, where's the money coming from? That's going into that. I don't know. So, yeah. And meanwhile, tomb Raider and deus ex and thief are all going freedom, horrible, horrible freedom. (laughs) I think that square Enix, it is kind of a rudderless company, but mm. they still have some good IPs and they still have an identity. Uh, there was some speculation and I put an ex- emphasis on speculation because there was no actual information behind this that Sony or somebody would be like Square Enix is offloading people, uh, companies in order to be acquired by somebody else. And I would say uh, if you want an example of Square actually offloading businesses potentially to make itself uh, um, interesting to investors, maybe look toward its merchandise div- division, which is actually gigantic. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. People mm-hmm. don't really reckon with that. You make a lot of toys for everybody. So yeah, they I do. do. I have a couple. Let's see. I have my uh, stuffy, my saber cub stuffy that I bought when I was in Japan. Oh. Yeah. I want Very a saber cute. cub stuffy. I was so surprised when I found that. I was just thrilled because that was all I wanted, and I got it. I prefer it. plush toy to stuffy. Yeah, but that's just me. Uh, stuffy. Anyway, I was I was planning on finally going to Japan in the summer of 2020. So, same, uh, same. Yeah. Maybe oh next my year. god. Maybe next year. Yeah. I was getting my passport ready and everything. Yep. I was like, I'm gonna finally yeah. see Tokyo. Yep. It yep. looks just like Persona Five. I'm just kidding. <laughs> I was going to go to TGS. So I was like, I'm every year I go to the PlayStation launch, like PS3, PS4. I was at the TGS for each of those. I was like, I'm going to be there for the PS5 one. Mm-hmm. I wasn't. Mm-hmm. Womp womp. I wasn't there. For that. <laughs> the Kirby enthusiasm music starts playing. Well, on that note, 
It's now time for the Axe of the Blood God Guide to Isometric RPGs in 2022. Once again, this is a topic that was recommended to us by Drew RWX. Drew, thank you so much for your support. And this topic is the Axe of the Blood God Guide to Isometric RPGs. And Drew specifically asked us to talk about Tunic. So, Nadia, you played Tunic. I have played uh, a bit of it. I'm actually waiting for it to come out on the Switch before I really dive in because it certainly strikes me as a Switch game. I just hope it performs well. What I played, though, on the Xbox was very, very good, very cute. The thing that I think is so clever about it is we live in an age where instruction booklets are pretty much dead. This is a Mm -hmm. game that's Mm -hmm. about other things, is finding pages of instruction booklets so you know what you're doing, number one. And number two, so you can kind of see that tribute to Zelda, which is very, very Mm -hmm. similar Mm -hmm. to the original Zelda in terms of how it's laid out, how the character art is. It's a pretty difficult game, though. Um, I remember the demo being harder, but it's still not an easy game, especially early on when you're expected to defend yourself with a stick. So Mm -hmm. it, it challenges you from the start. But I am definitely looking forward to it on the Switch. It has a very... I love his aesthetic. It's like a little gummy land, like mm-hmm. little like I want to eat it. I want to eat every single piece of this really game. But it's really hard, though. This is what people have been saying. It is it's, very it, difficult. It yeah. is difficult. What I played was doable, but what the hell? I've been spoiled by Elden Ring. It can't hurt me anymore. So <laughs> I will say, when I was at uh, PAX recently, there was I can't remember who was selling the tunic merchandise, but there were like pins. That sold out very quickly. I managed to snag a couple. So the fox is very popular. He's a cute little fox. Oh, the tunic art is gorgeous. I love yeah. the the press kits. I don't normally gush over press kits because I don't like swag, but the press kits for tunic were quite beautiful to the point that even legitimate outlets were publishing them. It was pretty cool. Mm-hmm. I like foxes too, so it's very easy to like tunic. Yeah, it's it's got like, from what I've played, which is the demo, plus a little bit more of the final game, I haven't put too many hours into it or anything, but um, it's it's also got a little bit of that fez in it where yeah. there's kind of some mysteries to solve and some things to dig into and a language there seems and it ties into the manual in a way that feels very nostalgic. And I think when we start talking about isometric in general, that's one of the things that isometric can do is it can kind of make you fond for the days when isometric was popular weirdly enough. Uh, Every time I play an isometric game, I get weirdly nostalgic for just that camera angle because it feels like such a, a time and place sort of thing. And it was very of a certain age. And uh, it also has that like diorama feel. I love like a game that feels like a diorama, like triangle strategy did that very well. Or like captain toad treasure tracker does that very well, where you feel like you're looking at a constructed diorama of something and kind of panning around it. If you grew up with Genesis, you know, you'd probably play Landstalker. except uh, Mm. isometric. Mm -hmm. uh, The problem I have with it, at least as far as I'm familiar with isometric is say a game like super Mario RPG, where they want you to do platforming on a diagonal. Nope. No, thank you. That's <laughs> yeah. not working out for me. Don't like it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But um, I find that myself, isometric RPGs, the way we're talking about them now, is definitely a blind spot for me. I just, I have to find one that really, really clicks with me. Like Disco Elysium came close, and I want to play that again on the Switch. But uh, I don't know. Just something about it is is not grabbing me, and I'm wondering if my brain it's is just broken. funny uh, because they're so story based. I know, mm-hmm, but mm-hmm. there's there's got to be something I'm missing here. Uh, shout out, though, to, and this counts, Isometric RPG, Breath of Fire 3. Absolutely isometric <laughs> as hell. Not mm-hmm. only that, 
it lets you kind of control the camera in a really interesting way. Like you hold, uh, I think it's the L button, and you move the camera around like up, down, left, and right. And this is actually kind of fun because the game makes sure to hide things from you. And if you move the camera around, you can find like secrets and stuff. That's that's pretty cool. So I will find that isometric RPG that that resonates with me. But um, it wasn't Dragonfall. I just it, it just didn't really click with me. And I I will find it. I swear to God, I will. Len, you've played plenty of isometric RPGs. You've played Shadowrun Dragonfall. You've played Baldur's Gate 2. I'm pretty yeah, sure you've probably been playing I've, Baldur's Gate 3, right? I, I played the I played the first slice that they put out of it, but I'm saving the rest of it until it gets mm-hmm. a little bit further along. I mm-hmm. don't want to like play play a little by little every time there's like a new update and then just be bored of it by the time the full game is available. So I haven't played it since that first public slice came out. Um, my thing with isometric RPGs, which is a dark secret I have to admit to, is that I have a very bad habit of not finishing them. Um, <laughs> well, they're big usually. They're quite involved. Yeah, like Fallout 1, I got like a couple dozen hours in, never finished it. Um, Baldur's Gate 1, never finished it. Neverwinter Nights 2, I never finished. Uh, Planescape Torment, I started it three times, and I have actually still never finished I it. have it on the Switch, uh, and I haven't really gotten mm-hmm, far in it. Yeah, Wasteland 2, never finished it. That was because of a bug. That wasn't because I got bored of it, but I hit a progress blocker like 40 hours in, um, in one of the earlier builds. I, I hope that it's less buggy these days. Um, finish Pillars of Eternity 1. Pillars of Eternity 2, I played for, again, like 50 hours, and then just one day I just never booted it back up again. Yeah, um, yeah. So, yeah, it's a genre I really like, but, like, some of the big standout games of the genre, I have never actually gotten to the end of them. Uh, that's that's sort of my, my shocking admission here on Acts of the Blood I cast the out. <laughs> I mean, let yeah. those without sin throw the first stone real yeah. time. <laughs> yeah, no, totally. I mean, yeah, I'm sitting here yeah. having still not finished Persona 5 despite making that my New Year's re- resolution. So I you started Persona like 3 instead. Seven months. You got like seven months. You're good. <laughs> yeah, I'll make it someday. Uh, as always, with isometric RPGs, it depends on what the flavor is that you want. If you want mm-hmm. more of an action kind of thing, you can play a game like Diablo 2 Resurrected. I don't know. Like, have you have we all played Diablo 2 Resurrected? Yeah. Um, no, I played Diablo 3. That was a see, there's an isometric game I really like. I love it's Diablo an 3. Interesting contrast between the two, because mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Diablo 2 Resurrected, I mean, of course, is based on the original Diablo 2. And I can understand why Diablo fans were so kind of put out about Diablo 3 when it originally came out with the aesthetic and everything. Because the aesthetic and the feel, Diablo 3 is so much more blizzard. And Diablo mm. 2 it feels a lot more macabre, I should say. Yeah, D- Diablo 2, like, especially growing up in the 90s with, like, some of the residual satanic panic, especially oh, right. in the part of the country I grew up in, Diablo 1 and Diablo 2 felt like games that I, sh- like, I shouldn't be allowed to play this. Like, it was, like, kind of, <laughs> like, transgressive because it was, you know, all this, like, dark occult stuff. Um, mm-hmm. that's, that's definitely something I remember about those two. My my favorite Diablo two class made like flesh golems and stuff. Like cool. you got to yeah. do just really sick stuff in that game. And like I I think it was weird because I, I did play Resurrected back when it first came out. Uh, not a lot of it, just enough to like rekindle those feelings of playing original Diablo two. And 
I'm a big Diablo three fan, actually, especially when it came to consoles. And yeah. and I felt like it actually found a good home on consoles. And I feel like Diablo two is the PC version of that, the classic PC version of that, where that game will kill you. That game will just straight up murder you. Yeah. It's yeah. it's it has no qualms about doing that. And it's it's very much you are going to die. You are going to run into macabre stuff It is going to have darker themes, whereas I think Cat's got the right of it. Diablo three does feel a bit more modern Blizzard where they were kind of starting to pivot towards like we're Overwatch, you know, a game that's still about people shooting each other, but they're superheroes and they're all friends and buds in the shorts and hanging out and stuff. And and uh, I the, the weird thing about the isometric version of that is I think it gives you such a grand perspective of all the carnage you get to annihilate. Like we were talking about Path of Exile and like vampire survivors earlier and uh it gives you such a good just view of a battlefield as you are just shooting spells across and and summoning skeletons and stuff and it it gives you such a good view of the chaos that i don't feel you get in like a third or a first person view where you're in the character's head instead you're just seeing all around you all around your character all the chaos you're causing and that lets them throw so much stuff at you. Cause now they don't have to be like, Oh, well it would be cheap if we just threw enemies at your back. They're like, no, you can see it. So dodge it. <laughs> like, yeah. It's uh, I, I like that style of even going into torchlight and things like that. Uh, it, it makes for a really fun, chaotic uh, frenzy compared to other games of their ilk. So that's what the isometric viewpoint does for me there. But even, Outside of action RPGs, you've got like tactics games, arguably isometric RPGs, FF tactics. Technically, um, yeah. viewpoint is isometric. Mm-hmm. I mean, I see you put mm-hmm. Super Mario RPG on here. But to me, mm-hmm. I think mm-hmm. the define the definition of a kind of an isometric RPG, the classical one, would be the sort that mm-hmm. you would get out of Black Isle Studios or yeah, that's what I was thinking. Back in the mm-hmm. day, mm-hmm. they would have real time with pause. Uh, mm-hmm. We're talking about Baldur's Gate 2. For example, Baldur's Gate mm-hmm. 3, Divinity Original Sin 2, Tyranny. Uh, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. We were talking about Pillars would, of Eternity. I would even argue that technically Dragon Age Origins is an isometric oh, yeah. RPG. Yeah. Other than the, the camera is an isometric, which sounds like I'm contradicting myself. But the way the battles worked in that Spiritually, game Spiritually, very much so. It was definitely designed yeah. as one yeah. for sure. Yeah, right. Yeah. Yeah. I, can, I can get there on that. And I was playing on PC, and I had my camera up all the time in Dragon Age oh, yeah. Origins. Oh, yeah. And Especially I, in combat. Yeah. And I used the pause feature liberally on that one to direct everybody. Uh, mechanically, it was far more complex than Dragon Age 2 or Dragon Age uh, Inquisition. My my first time playing Origins, I was a sword and board bonehead, just <laughs> himbo running into battle, yes. like, and then like Win was behind me, like healing me, and Morgan was casting spells, and I was just like, ah, and so I totally played third person. I was on Xbox 360. I had been coming in from the Mass Effect series, so I did not have a ton of CRPG experience at that time. And then yeah, when I played it again for Norm DFM, and I was playing like a, I think I was playing a rogue. Uh, I was suddenly having to use the pause menu and like zoom the map <laughs> out and like position people and stuff. And I was like, man, these games are harder when you're not dumb. <laughs> like, yeah. No, that was my first playthrough too. It was like the warden and Alice there were just the, the shield dumbasses who stood mm-hmm. at the front. Mm-hmm. And, 
Yeah, kept everybody I've, safe. Yeah, th- there's like a bell curve in that game where the dumber your character is, the easier the video game is, and the more you have to think, the more difficult it becomes. So this is this is the true discovery we've made. Is That's that why the, I am melee DPS forever? Uh-huh, I always want to be uh-huh. right up in the in the action, getting my ass kicked like a bonehead. No thoughts, head empty. <laughs> Get and in no there. thoughts, head empty. <laughs> What's between those ears? Is it a brain? No, just floof. No brain. <laughs> <laughs> if I if I ever play Dragon Age Origins again, which is a possibility because I haven't played it's it since game. I did the guy for it for one up long time ago. Oh yeah, I would be a healer just so I didn't have to use Win per our last episode. <laughs> well, that's right. Fair enough. Win yeah, shaming you for your romance choices. My recollection is that. Uh, she was like the only healer or the only like mm-hmm. real yeah, dedicated yeah. healer. So uh, it was it was pretty rough. Yeah. And it was like, you didn't have to bring her, but the game became 30% harder if you did. Yeah. Yeah. I hate that. Yeah. You can make it work. You just had to use items all the time. I hate that even more. Cause you had the much smaller party. That's the other thing about isometric RPGs is I think the optimal side is, is five or six. Um, mm. if you have four, it's kind of too small, I think. Um, but if yeah. you get into the six or seven range, you start getting kind of unwieldy. Yeah. Um, if you think about Suikoden, which isn't an isometric RPG, but the battlefield is isometric and that's where you see like six versus whatever, how many enemies. And those battles are so cool because they look like war. They actually look like mm. a war battle. And I think that's the isometric like perspective helps a lot with that kind of thing. I need to play Suikoden. Yes, you do, too. Dude, to you haven't played Suikoden? Suikoden? I've never played Suikoden. It starts well, with children being slaughtered. You're missing out. I need Once to play we Suikoden. have the new top 25, I think the limiters are going to be off on game clubs uh, for games like Suikoden and whatnot. So, if, we, if it ever becomes a Pantheon game, I will commit. I will play it. I will spend a month playing Suikoden, too. But should he start with Suikoden or should he jump sweet straight to Suikoden? I'll go I'm straight not to playing Suikoden. I, I'm not playing Suikoden one. I'm just, I, I would not care who Kal El in the started. chat in Stars of Destiny. I don't care. <laughs> I started with two. It kind of fills you in as you go. Like you meet what? Flick yeah. and Victor and everyone, and they kind of say, Hey, how are you? I made this terrible banner. Life is short and God made Wikipedia for a reason, all right? <laughs> when I think of isometric RPGs, I tend to associate them with D&D. For a reason, because yes. a lot of them, yeah, yeah, going back to the the gold box games, and then Baldur's mm. Gate, of course, Neverwinter Nights. Uh, they often u- are turn based in their own way, and so they end up using the various D and D systems for their actual mechanics. Um, they tend to be very dense in terms of how yeah. you can actually build up your party, which may be one reason that these games have never really quite uh, clicked with you, Nadia, because. Uh, mechanics had never really been your jam, right? It really depends on the game. Sometimes I get really obsessed with mechanics, but sometimes if something's like really thrown at me uh, at once, I'm like, oh dear, and I back off. But yeah, it could be part of it. Len, can you think of an isometric RPG that Nadia, that's not as mechanically dense that Nadia might like? For idiots? Can you recommend an, R- an isometric RPG for idiots, please? I mean, Disco Elysium's a good one. <laughs> That's true. I'm I'm very much I, I think I'm similar to you in that I, I much I'm much more interested in the story usually than the mechanics. Um so I'm trying to think I think she should play I mean, Dragon Age Origins. 
I think, I think yeah, you I think, would like it. No, I think DAO would be right up your alley. Yeah. Dragon, the cool thing about Dragon Age Origins is you can you can do so much with the party scripting that you kind of just don't have to pay attention in combat if you don't <laughs> yes. want to. A lot, lot of if-then statements, yeah. Yeah, then, it's similar to uh, like Final Fantasy XII, the Zodiac Age, where the macros, you know, there's, yeah. you know, there's a lot of automation you can do. Um, but does it have hot, sexy bunny ladies? I mean, not more or less. Bunny it has Morgan. Yeah, it ha- so it has it has <laughs> goth girls, which is important. Yeah, all right, that's a good substitute. Um, it, it has, has hot demon ladies. Um, uh, there's a former sexy. former church alt girl uh, Leliana. There's yeah, yeah. hot elf boy Zevrin. Um, I know a lot of people who have it who is bi. I think he's bi. Yeah. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. yeah. Mm-hmm. He has kind of a Mediterranean accent. There's there, a dog. There's dog. some sickos out there who really like Logan, and I think you need to spend more time with your therapist if you like Logan. But I <laughs> no, respect your I mean, decisions. Like, I know these. He's like Snape. And, He's like Professor like, Snape, but in yeah, yeah, RPG. Snape. I, if Snape did war them, crimes. <laughs> yeah, I warn them about everyone that that they are attracted to in video games and real life, and it's just never going to change anything. So you mm-hmm. know, just. Gotta let them. Gotta love it. Let them have it. At least in the virtual world. I think if you if you want to play it purely for the attractive folks, you're playing something like Dragon Age Two, which is just eligible bachelors and bachelorettes. The game. Dragon <laughs> Age Two and Dragon Age Inquisition call. are both yes. just basically oh, Inquisition. You get a whole menagerie oh. of hot people. Yeah, yeah. I would yes. uh, probably go back to Disco Elysium on the Switch because that was. I was really grabbed by that one, but I had to stop playing because I just don't like PC playing at all. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. Uh, that was, it was a great game. Kuno! The pigs are after us again, Kuno! <laughs> <laughs> are there any classic R- uh, isometric RPGs that we feel are really accessible and really easy to get into? Because, you know, I look at a game like Fallout and maybe to a lesser extent Baldur's Gate 2, and, you know, they're quite old at this point. So I don't know if it's super easy for me to recommend them to people. Yeah. I feel like Divinity Original Sin has been like a gateway for a lot of people. Like DOS 2 has gotten a lot of people into those types of games um, because it's it can be a little bit more tactical because you, and Baldur's Gate 3 does this as well, where you can kind of meter how granular you want things to get. So you can like try to do things in a very real time with pause, like everything's flying everywhere and you're just trying to like herd everybody in and not die. Or you can do like a very slow, almost tactics like approach and and take it at your speed. Uh, Those are the games I think of that, that might be a little bit easier because you're still getting the depth of, of the combat there, but it's not going to overwhelm you in the way that like fallout one might. Right. Right. Yeah, Original Sin 2 would probably be a good pull. I would caution against Original Sin 1 just because it gets mm-hmm. off to kind of mm-hmm. a slow start and it's not great at funneling you into content that's yeah. like yeah. appropriate for your level when you're <laughs> in the lower levels. Um, yeah. I mean, I think Baldur's Gate 2 still holds up pretty well, but I had like lots of like D&D 3.5 experience by the time I touched it for the first right. time. And I feel like that knowledge will definitely benefit you if you're coming from tabletop. I mean, the writing still absolutely holds up and, and mm-hmm. all that stuff. And 
I have a friend who actually went to uh, Iceland because she was so into Baldur's Gate and just uh, kind of wow. did a little tour, if you will. Uh, I have another friend who did the same thing with, uh, there's a, a kind of, a, not really organized, but a, a known tour of uh, DC because of Fallout 3, and she did that as well. Mm-hmm. If you've been into those subways, you understand why that place was selected for a, a, a radioactive wasteland. Holy crap. <laughs> hear, hear me out on this one. Transistor from Supergiant. That was a great... Transistor. I didn't finish it. It's more of a tactics thing. I started it, and my it's, computer flipped the hell out, and I want to finish it, because anything with Supergiant is, is great, mm-hmm, pretty much. Mm-hmm. And it, it's like, like action It's definitely like a little bit action-y, but there is still kind of that like pause and and plot out like what you want to do and then execute it and then kind of like dodge some enemies and then kind of do your yeah. just like that that kind of push and pull that you have with the CRPG. I feel like Transistor in many ways was Supergiant making a CRPG style game but with their style layered over it. And of course, That's the why I like Transistor great. a lot. Oh God, the music's so good. Look, oh, Transistor, yeah. I, it's hard to rank the Supergiant games because they're all brilliant. They're all fantastic. But I do think Transistor gets the short end of the stick too often. So that's why I'm I've, bringing yeah, it Yeah, right I've, I've heard that. Yeah, uh, Darren Corb and Ashley Barrett are like two of my heroes in mm-hmm. the games industry. <laughs> I just love everything they do. Yeah. Mm-hmm. They're great. Yeah. Len, do you have a tyranny take? I really liked Tyranny. I really, Mm -hmm. really liked Tyranny, actually. Um, I think it is sort of... It's in a similar position maybe to Game of Thrones, where the way it ended left sort of a sour taste in everyone's Mm. mouth. And now it's like, it kind of... minor, Minor spoilers, nothing specific, but it ends at sort of what is the most like exciting moment in your character's life. And now we don't know if we'll ever get a sequel. So uh, <laughs> it's like uh, that, that, that makes it makes me go, Oh yeah. Like the journey to get there is so good, but it's such a cliffhanger and like it might never be resolved. Um, so I don't know. Um, I really, really liked the way that it sort of flew in the face of traditional morality systems in, in other RPGs where, your your justice like your your job is that you are like the the hand of justice and you have mm, to decide mm-hmm. what justice means and that runs through like the main quest and every single side quest and all the factions you interact with and i thought that was just a brilliant way to sort of uh deconstruct a morality system uh, in an rpg and, and like the fact that the faction you're working for like we're already evil. Like there's degrees of evil. There's there's lawful evil. There's chaotic evil. There's neutral evil. Um, but you're not really going to be a good guy. Like that they've already like locked off that half of the alignment spectrum. Um, yeah, I really liked I really liked tyranny overall. Um, I think I wonder I think kind of where I'd fit clever. on the evil scale. Would I be chaotic evil? Oh god, chaotic no, evil. Oh chaotic no, evil. not even I'm. Chaotic if Nadia evil, ever I'm did sorry. a a heel a face a heel turn, it's over. Oh my gosh, <laughs> we're all doomed. I would probably. Can you imagine? The... Nadia would be so chaotic evil. I'd be lawful evil, obviously. You, you, you would like definitely. You would definitely be lawful evil. Yeah, yeah. Like I would be ruling from my my throne of obsidian, shooting lightning Galadriel? at people. Everyone shall love me in despair. Yeah. No. Exactly. Nadia would become the Joker. You know. <laughs> so. Yeah. <laughs> Someday well, I, I, I want s- to become the Joker. I'll say that much. <laughs> 
I sided with the chaotic evil guys in in uh, in tyranny just because they were super metal, and the lawful evil faction just reminded me of church. And so that was <laughs> an easy mm-hmm. that mm-hmm. was an easy uh, decision for me. I mm-hmm. think. Yeah. So. Uh, another one. Church. Another mm-hmm. CRPG that we should probably shout out is one I've been thinking about since we had Jason Wilson on the show talking about Wrathfinder Path of the Righteous. Uh, yeah. Because that's been sitting on my Steam wish list for a while. And I've heard a lot of people, including friend of the show Mike Williams, say like really, really good things about it. So that might be one to check out too. Have you played that one, Len? Which one, sir? I just noticed uh, Pathfinder Keeps- Wrath no- of the Righteous. I, I have, yeah. I, I didn't finish it. Uh, that's a very, very long game. Very long game. That does some interesting, like, chessboard RTS type stuff, also. Um, yeah. Uh, it was. Kingmaker and Wrath of the Righteous are. I think that they suffer from trying to translate the Pathfinder system very directly into a computer in a way that sort of ignores the fact that those systems work well on the tabletop because you have an intelligent dungeon master who can sort of um, make allowances when it needs to happen. Um, and I don't think that that's like something you can really just port one-to-one without running into some issues, um, especially when it comes to like, oh, if players don't have enough information to know what to do here, uh, you know, and you can actually look across the table and see, okay, I've confused them. I need to figure out a way to give out some more information, which isn't something I think computer games are especially good at. And because of how Pathfinder specifically works and, you know, 3.5 before it, um, I, I think it needs some modification, uh, at least more modification than those two RPGs did to work very well as a computer game. Well, I always slag on Wasteland 3 for some reason. I know you really liked Wasteland 2, <laughs> Len. Wasteland 3, did, maybe, yeah. maybe Wasteland 3 is better now that they've added some patches. I will say that it is very accessible um, as a, a lightweight tactics RPG. Uh, it had a decent story. I like the setting a lot. It's set in uh, Colorado, if I recall correctly. It is, yeah, which you'd think I would have played it by now because that's my home state. Um I was very disappointed when Van Buren got canceled, which was the original isometric yeah. Fallout 3 that was supposed to take place in Colorado. Um, what I really liked about the newer um, In Exile Wasteland games is they felt like, uh, and this is where some of my strategy grognard side is going to spill over, I felt like you could make a squad that made sense and it would actually be functional in combat. Like, if it's like, okay, I'm going to stat these guys out as basically a rifle team <laughs> and give them the equipment and the stats that I think would be most effective at, you know, being a, like, functional military squad in the post-apocalyptic future, and that would work. It wasn't like they made me bring a shotgun guy or they made me bring, you know, in kind of, like, weird artificial rpg party role i could kind of just set up fields of fire and like think about it almost as like a military war game and that actually worked really well which is something i really liked about it um, yeah so and you drive around in a giant snowmobile or yeah, snowplow giant snowplow is that what it was yeah. oh this we have we have those and yeah we we do those are real we, uh, there's one outside my house right now oh, oh wow. are they like for those serious yeah. ass mountain snows that like 
I mean, I'm, I'm partly joking, but yeah. Ah, uh, darn. <laughs> yeah, we just we just got to paint a picture of Colorado as just this ma- mountainous, year-round, wintry wonder. As a Canadian, I am very interested in the in the process of snow removal. One of the funnest things, or nicest, or most comfy things is when after a big snowfall you look out the window and you see like all the plows just kind of doing their thing it's oh, a, yeah. it's comforting well this has been our mini survey of the current landscape for isometric rpgs and now i think that we should pick a, an isometric rpg that we can recommend to nadia my personal pick is dragon age origins and nadia there's so much sex in it i think you would really <laughs> like it Oh, sold. Bang, there's the gavel I mean, going right down. I mean, it's, it's Bioware sex, so you kind of yeah, know what you're doing. Weird alien sex. Yeah. Well, that's the, mm. the, the camp the makes News it great. And says, what are your children doing? Yeah, so... Um, I would second that. If we're, if we're counting Origins as an isometric RPG, which I think we should, I would I would definitely second that recommendation. Yeah, I would I would third that. I, that is just the, the easiest on-ramp and... Then, then you can go play Dragon Age two and and have even more of that, and Dragon Age Inquisition, and have even more. There's a never ending. that everyone hates and you love, uh, Eric. Oh, two? Yeah, no, I love Dragon Age two. Okay, like, it's I'm not, not gonna, good. I'm not gonna <laughs> sit here and argue about it. But Dragon Age two is a good video game. I keep so, thinking uh, it's Origins, but I guess not. No, it's two. Okay. Yeah, I have a I have a lot of problems with Dragon Age two, but the writing is not one of them. So mm-hmm. if you're in it mm-hmm. for the story, oh, absolutely, I have a lot absolutely. of problems with the writing, especially in <laughs> oh, Act <really>? three. Oh. <laughs> we're gonna have to we're gonna have to have an episode. New at episode. We're gonna have to we'll just have to pandemonium of the blood god. Oh, Dragon do not Age pandemonium 2. this game. Oh, it is going in the pandemonium. Oh, no. Dear. There's so you many other games to send down there. Dragon Age 2 from the Pandemonium, a game that even Bioware said that it was not good. Please yeah, don't at me with your revisionist fault. history. <laughs> it's not their fault. It's not Nobody their sent their fault. child to hell. They don't like it. And of course, Baldur's Gate 3 is coming out at some point in the future. Mm-hmm. And that mm-hmm. is definitely... And that, so I should get exercised. Look- It'll be an exercise before Baldur's Gate 3. That one's looking real good. That one does not have the sex yet. If you try to do sex, it pops up a mind flare that says under construction. <laughs> so it, in a way, Larian kind of judges you for trying to get to the sex in early access. They're like, you think we're going to put this in here that early? Come on now and moves on. So, that should be your but, first priority. Can, can yeah. you have sex with the mind flare though? I, I mean, would not. Oh, God. That just seems like the worst idea, but I guess someone's freaky enough to do it. Someone's got to try it. Someone's out there's got to have sex with a mind I volunteer as tribute. <laughs> Use protection, and protection means at least a great helm and uh, <laughs> some yeah. elven Jane Man. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Just your whole head needs to be encased in metal. That's the have a, have a cleric on standby. You know? The prisoner helmet from Elden Ring that completely covers your your head. Yeah, perfect. Mm-hmm. perfect. Yeah. No, just the let me solo her attire from from Elden Ring. Just a jar over your head. (laughs) Oh, Oh God, we're a podcast full of sinners. (laughs) Thank you so much to Drew RWX for this wonderful topic. And yes, if you are at the $50 level or the $100 level, you get to pick a topic on Axe the Bug Out and we will talk about it. So thank you again for your support. Drew. Now it's time for the Top 25 RPG Remake 2022 Intergrade, the final 
installment all year so far in 2022. We have been picking four RPGs to list add to the list of candidates for a potential top 25 RPG remake. All of the top 25 RPGs, none of them are safe. Even Chrono Trigger, there's no guarantee that it's going to be at the number one spot. It's going to be at the but number one spot. here are our four nominees this time. We'll start with you, Nadia. What is your pick, your final pick, before we head in to next week's special? Well, if you look at the notes, I kind of indicate that I'm just kind of wiggling my hat and going off stage here because I am nominating, it has to be done, Secret of Mana as my last entry for this uh, goat rodeo of a pantheon because it's just so much to me. And I understand if it doesn't get in, I get it. It's flawed. It's got a lot of translation issues. It's got a lot of bugs. The best version of it is stuck on mobile forever, I suppose. And what you get, what you can play now with the most accessible versions are not great. The, the, uh, the people, the the per, the NPC AI is terrible. Unless you're playing with other people, like then then you're good. But yeah, it's just I feel like not just for me, but for other people, it was the RPG that really showed you what action RPGs could be. Like I was coming off Zelda, which is of course classic, but doesn't have that RPG element. Whereas uh, Secret of Mana really implements that RPG element. And to the eternal credit of the Mana games. These stories are very simple, but they're never happy. And I appreciate that. You're always coming into a bummer of an ending, which is bittersweet. And you kind of learn that, hey, just because you're a hero doesn't mean you're guaranteed a happy ending. And I appreciate that. And Secret of Mana was also probably my first really big, serious, quote unquote, RPG story. So, you know, twists like, oh, my God, his mother was the Mana Tree the whole time. Spoilers. It's just uh it seemed so epic when I was, uh, I don't know how old I was, 15, 13, I don't remember. But I, I guess it still has a special place in my heart. And of course, the soundtrack is great, except for the Dwarf Town theme. Nobody knows what's going on with that. Well, my pick is Divinity Original Sin 2, which somehow never made it onto this list, but should definitely replace Divinity Original Sin 1. I feel kind of dumb for putting Divinity Original Sin on one. One on the first place when two was available. Don't want to put two on there. That's all I have to say about that. It's a great RPG. What can I say? An incredible, the best co-op experience that you're going to find out there. And it helped truly make Larian the studio that it is today. And it feels appropriate to pick, given that Baldur's Gate 3 is happening. So uh, Divinity Original Sin 2 is my pick. Eric, what's your pick? I was between two options, and I will pick the one that causes chaos. Oh God! Uh, no, no! What are you doing? I'm nominating Final Fantasy VII Remake. No, you monster! It is. Uh, we talked about this on the State of Final Fantasy uh, panel, and it, that was kind of what planted the seed in my mind. Because originally, Cat, I was with you. I was like, "It's it's Final Fantasy VII again. Why nominate it? Why talk about it?" But it is a work that has to grapple with the fact that it is trying to remake final fantasy seven. Yes. And rather than just completely ignore the fact that it is remaking what might be one of the most impactful RPGs in, in like mainstream console history, it like actually feels like it's in conversation with itself about what it means to remake (laughs) final fantasy seven. And 
can you change things that are so sacrosanct in a game like Final Fantasy VII? And can you choose to do something different? I think all the things that Kingdom Hearts wishes it was doing with its story <laughs> is what Final <laughs> Fantasy VII Remake oh, actually snap. does. Uh, sorry. Like, that's, no, you're uh, look, right. Kingdom Hearts 2 is a great video game. But uh, is Kingdom Hearts 2 on this list? That might have been an oversight. I don't think um, it is any Kingdom Hearts on this list. I mean, I don't think I would have put it on the top 25, but Kingdom Hearts 2 is a Why good video game. Why should Kingdom Hearts be on this list? Uh, but also, Final Fantasy VII Remake, I think, I, I just love that conversation it has with itself where it examines what it means to remake a video game and whether you can change that or not, whether like preserving the past is important or whether doing something new is more interesting, even if you are rehashing the same story. Obviously, like the designs of the characters are incredible. Like these these have now become the canonical versions yeah. of these characters. They're gorgeous. They're well done. Uh, expanding on stories like the Biggs and and Wedge and Jesse, like all worked out really, really well. It's incredibly well composed. I think the combat system is actually probably one of my favorite like actiony takes on a combat system outside of a Tales game. And I think that's because it feels like they took a lot of inspiration from Tales games in it with movesets like Tifa's. So. I, I, I genuinely think it's a good video game. I, I think the biggest knock against it I can give is that it is like a third of the original Final Fantasy VII, but it's it's so well done. It is so over the top. It is it is so much RPG and so much love for what Final Fantasy is that I can't not want to love it. It's it's just such I a I can't wait blast. to see what they're going to do with the story. I think they're going to take the story and say, hey, you think you know Final Fantasy VII? Then kind of mush their hands around it and say, you imagine, figure it out now. Like, like, we were talking about this on the state of Final Fantasy. If they kill, like, now it's a whole thing. If they kill Aerith again, can you imagine how much of a gut punch that's going to be this time? Because Aerith is way better in this game here's than the, she was in the original Final and Fantasy And here's VII. the killer. Here's the kicker. They, you don't know if Aerith is going to die. Right? Exactly. No, don't. Yeah. They're going to yeah. pull something on us. They pulled the or rug out. Not, so now we're all like, sitting here going, it, that. I mean, it could be Tifa. It could be Aerith. Who knows? Who knows if she's like, going to die? I, Maybe none. Could be I all think three of them. I think Seven is a good RPG. I also do not think it's unimpeachable. And Seven Remake is the game that put those thoughts in my head that made me think that game is very good, but it is not eternally good it is not without reproach and so seven remake can make god sweat and that's why we love it so i uh you should go watch tim rogers's review of uh ff7 remake because it mostly aligns with a lot of my thoughts though tim um tim didn't agree with me with the ending he loves the ending which okay i love i love the end i I killed the dementors Dementors. it's so good Anything with Zach is okay by me too. Just it's fine. There are so many great scenes in Crisis Core that have no right being on a PSP. Just uh, the scene where like Aerith hugs Zach when he's crying—that just breaks my heart every time. Well, I actually have to make a change because um, I made a mistake with my choice. Divinity: Original Sin Two was already on the on the list. Good job, Cat. So I'll pick Persona Three instead. Ta-da. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, that's Was fair. That that's a good yeah, yeah. choice. Yeah. Complete the trio. Very Let's go. You know there what? Go. I'm going to advocate for dip- for Persona 3. You watch. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's going to happen. I'm there with Only you. Only one can get on the list. It's yeah. not going to be Persona 4. 
I, I want to get around to playing Persona 2 one of these days because I've heard wild things about Persona 2 and I'm, yeah. I'm interested. I want to go deep into that that well, that abyss. Yeah, I'm an abyss. Yeah, same, I think, though. Um, Persona 2, it, it's a very dense RPG compared to, say, um, you know, the, the more accessible Persona 3 games. It's, it's closer to SMT, honestly, uh, in so many respects. And the people who love those games love them and will defend them to the hilt. And they'll go, uh, actually, Persona 2 Innocent Sid is way better than Persona 5. And you're like, okay. The glasses okay. push really sold that, cat. I just yeah. want to like, give you the note. You really sold it with the glasses. Persona uh, 2 uh, is the best. <laughs> <laughs> Eternal punishment, yo. Um, and our community pick is a game that everybody was going, why the heck isn't this on the list? Mm -hmm. What's going Mm -hmm. on? Is there some kind of like blood God conspiracy against this classic of tactics RPGs? Are they intentionally leaving it off because they already decided that tactics ogre was on it? Do they just hate uh, Yasumi Matsuno? Well, the answer is no. Uh, This, the final pick is final fantasy tactics. This is what the Mike Staub writes. Is it a hot take to say that FFT is the best Final Fantasy game? That this offshoot in the shadow of FF7 was able to tell a mature, twisted, and political story that rivals the rest of the series. Tactics is one part battle chess and one part Final Fantasy. The job classes, character types, and monsters from the series' fabled past are put on full display in a magically perfected way. Characters have robust histories and complicated relationships. The game tackles war, family, and class better than almost anything else. Amazing combat, great visuals, incredible music, and a legendary story set FFT apart from the rest. Can we get a re-release, please? Yeah. I mean, lately we've been speaking them into existence with the Pantheon episodes, so why not Final Fantasy Tactics, right? But we did actually... We did do a Final Fantasy Tactics episode. Uh, for the Pantheon, and you can go listen to that right now on the Patreon. So, uh, yeah, you should go listen to that. It's a great deep dive. Uh, we had our pal uh, Shivam Bot on, and I forget who else was on. So I apologize. I apologize to our other guests. Uh, Shivam was just so excited to be on <laughs> to oh, talk yeah, about Final Fantasy Tactics. everything about that game. Yeah, he's our D&D DM as well. But, okay. Yeah, those are all of our picks. Uh, Persona 3, Secret of Mana, Final Fantasy VII Remake. I almost said your other pick, Eric. And My Final other pick Fantasy was Rune Tactics. Factory 4 for yes. the record. <laughs> yeah, it was a good game. That was, I enjoyed Which that Which was a good Switch. game. It was a very good game. Very and that's cute. it. The list is locked. It's time now, not right now, but next week, to go ahead and start making our list and argue, argue to the death. Nadia, Eric, and I are going into the cage, the big cage match. Mm-hmm. And we're going to sit in here and we're going to argue and we're going to, you know, deliberate and we're going to advocate for our favorite RPGs. And we are going to come out with a new top 25 list, a new top 25 RPGs of all time as of 2022, which is good because we really need to update that list. And there mm-hmm. are a bunch of games that are going to go on and a bunch of games that are going to come off. And I'm really looking forward to it. And I think the way we're going to start doing it is I'm going to ask Eric and Nadia and myself to make our personal list 
of uh, the top 25 RPGs of all time. And I think the ones that uh, are on all three of the lists will just make it in. Make it, you know, make like, it through the first round. Yeah. yeah. You, yeah. Congratulations. You made it onto the first round. They, they the, get to uh, live for now. The games that don't make it onto <laughs> any of the lists are out. And then we can deliberate the rest so that we don't like sit here, you know, for eight hours. I mean, some people would probably can, listen. Can to we that. each then wild card a single one in? Oh, oh yeah, I'm into that. Okay, yeah, yeah, so, yeah. This'll, so we, this'll we make fun. the cut, but then once we see the cuts, we all get to wild card one in. Excellent. That episode's in just two days as of the release of this podcast. Just two days. It's gonna be so much fun. Oh my gosh, this is gonna be like a three-hour podcast. It's gonna be wild. Yeah, it's gonna be forever. <laughs> months. Months in the making, the top 25 RPG remake. Okay, to wrap up, Nadia, take us home. So in honor of our upcoming D&D campaign, I actually want to talk a bit about the one D&D game I did play. And that oh, was with, you played uh, D&D? I didn't know this. I, I thought you'd never played it. played once before. With, it was, the character was kind of rolled up for me. But yeah, it was uh, myself, my husband, uh, a friend who was the DM, and another friend uh, who I didn't know very well, kind of a friend of a friend. So I played a half-elf, and I named this half-elf Hawkmoon after a U2 song, which I think is a great name for for Mm -hmm. a a half elf. It's a good name. I think it was a ranger and it was kind of cute because my husband was a half elf too. and We kind of played a a married couple and that was fun. But the interesting thing about this campaign is, and maybe you'll kind of point out where I'm getting here. uh, We were level one and we were doing level one stuff. And apparently we stumbled across a dragon, which is not a level one. monster so traditionally no so we're like okay trying to beat this dragon of course it's completely kicking our asses and the dm Mm -hmm. tells us there's one thing that you have to say to just kind of end this all to one thing you have to say one thing you have to do what do you think it is and we were just totally stumped and can you guess what we had to say or do to get this dragon off our ass you had to speak friend and enter right that's how it works (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> no, but one friend did one guy who was playing said like, you know, I said, what's the dragon's name? And the guy beside me instantly says Shenron. So <laughs> oh, say, say his name backwards. That's how you beat him. Not quite. No, no. Cat, uh, do you have any guesses or? Oh, gosh. Uh, it's probably something really dirty, right? No, it was perfectly and clean. Now? Len, you're welcome to guess too, but. I don't know. Uncle? It's something you would, be able to, you would be able to guess without any context. Uh, yeah, so like okay. Smog? So, I don't know. We were supposed to say, I disbelieve. This dragon is not oh. real. And oh, nobody got that. But yeah. it's uh, So did it I mean, eat lo- you all? Did you all die? We, so, I, I don't know exactly remember how it ended, but it was very much, a, okay, we're all done playing here sort of moment. But I think the DM probably took pity on us because it was my first D&D game and my husband hadn't played in a long, long time. But uh, yeah, that was the twist. I disbelieve. This dragon is not attacking us. This dragon does not exist. It was an illusion. Either way, we got. I remember we got out at the end because I did gain a level. So the DM did say, however, 
if anybody guessed that, they'd automatically gain a level because that's like a, a, a cool thing to guess. But yeah, it's uh, the dragon I disbelieved in. I did not disbelieve in. And that's why I didn't win D&D the first time around. So Aww. tomorrow when we play with, with Shivam, I'm just going to not believe that anything is real and hope that he gives me good boy points for it. <laughs> there's, there's a spell. I think it's a mind spell in either Mage the Awakening or Mage the Ascension. I forget which one that's like solipsistic invulnerability or something where if you're not aware of an attack, you gain a bunch of armor against it. Which is sort of the same principle. Yeah, Mage right. can get wild. What um, I do not yeah. know cannot be. <laughs> <laughs> I, oh, that's yeah. a, that's such like a good concept. If you don't believe concept. you're being attacked, yeah, uh-huh. then, then the attack actually loses power. Yeah, I would love. So I, I've talked before about Die, the the comic series by Karen Gillan. That's about like a bunch of people who get Jumanji into <laughs> a D and D system, and one of the character classes is like a gambler rogue type. Who the more the things that he does that are more likely to fail, he actually has a higher percent chance to get it right. So basically the worse his odds are, the higher chance he has oh, to like great. roll crits and stuff. That's great. I like that. And yeah, that feels like in line with that sort of thing where it's like, okay, as long as you don't show fear, as long as you mm. just do not believe that the massive dragon can actually touch you, you're, you're untouchable. But the second you quake, that's when you're suddenly weak. Oh, that mm, that's such a good concept. That sounds like the end of Cowboy Bebop, too. Uh-huh, yeah. <laughs> if you fear death, uh, it'll be on you in a flash, but if you don't fear, it'll greet you like an old friend. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. There you go. What a great note to end on. Also, was that a <laughs> nook or a pit? I, I think it was, was kind of that was a, a nook. That was, a that was nook. fairly wholesome, yeah. I think. Yeah. That was Excellent. a wholesome. I, I try to be wholesome once in a while. It, don't believe in dragons. Imagine dragons. Can you just imagine dragons? (laughs) Oh, God. Well, on that note, it is time for us to wrap up. Thank you all so much for listening. we got so much more content coming out this week, including the D&D stream, if you ended up missing it on Saturday, and also our Top 25 RPG Remake Intergrade. And if you want to go back to last week and see our uh, Pantheon of the Blood God episode with Shadowrun Dragonfall, in which Len was on, you should go check that out. Um, you, if you enjoy the show, you can follow me on Twitter at the underscore catbot. Nadia is at Nadia Oxford and Eric is at Seamusi, S-E-A-M-O-S-I. You should follow me even if you didn't enjoy the show. Why not? But give me constructive yeah. criticism. That's all I could say. <laughs> We're on Patreon at patreon.com slash bloodgodpod. And Len, one more time, where can everybody find you? Till Folkvon, T I L. F-L-O-F-O-L-K-V-A-N-G on Twitter. Um, also at 3FA is our, our strategy podcast, Three Moves Ahead, if you want to check us out there. For your Twitter name, I'm just going to bang on the keyboard and, and see what I can find. On- <laughs> I'll, that I'll gets see you there. I'll, yeah. put it in, I'll put it in the chat. How about that here? Okay. We're headed now to our Acts of the Blood God post show, which you can find on your feed if you're in the Stars of Destiny tier. Meantime, though, for Nadia, Eric, Len, and myself, thanks so much for listening. Happy adventuring. <laughs>